It is a beautiful Friday in Las Vegas. Thank you for joining us for Getting Real Estate in Vegas. I am Bridget Magnus, and you are watching the Vegas Video Network. Please be sure to tune in for all of our terrific shows, either on the Vegas Video Network or through iTunes. Now, if you have a question or a suggestion for us here at the show, go ahead and send it to us by email. That is gettingreal at vegasvideonetwork.com. We've got a great show today. We are going to be talking about buying foreclosures and flipped properties. But first, let's have the Friday figures. All right, all this information is from our local MLS system, updated this morning. Right this minute, excuse me, as of this morning, we had 15,835 homes available. That is up 45% from last year. The median price on a house is $137,000. That is down 24% from last year. Median price on a condominium or a townhome is only $66,000. That's down 17% from last year. Of our available units, 3,048 are bank-owned properties. That is up 71% from last year. Median price on those is $105,000. We also have available 7,830 short sale homes. That is up 63% from last year. Median price is 115,000. In addition, 4,953 non-distressed properties. That is a gain of 20% from last year. And the median price on those is a still quite reasonable $175,000. Now in the last 30 days, we have had 3,438 homes close. That is up 9% from last year. Median sales price was $110,000, which is unfortunately a drop of 9% year over year. The median list price on those homes was $115,000, which is down 5% from last year. Still not a huge um, gap between those two numbers, but that number is sinking a little bit. I'm, I'm hoping it stops sinking very soon indeed. We do uh, also have 12,064 homes that are contingent or pending. Contracts are signed. Hopefully they will be closed soon. That number is down 16% year over year, but that that is actually good news because it does account for 1,900 fewer contingent short sales, and that is a terrific thing. Now, we do also have 3,919 rentals available at a median price of 1,095. This number is also going down. 2,253 leases have been signed in the last 30 days with a median price of $1,100. I don't need to do the math to show you that that is less than two months supply of rental homes in the Las Vegas area. We could really use some investors who are willing to rent out property here to keep, um, to, to, to keep a supply of affordable housing for people. Now as far as real estate news, um, a Senate banking committee has been told that there are, and I quote, critical deficiencies in governing foreclosures, and there have been a number of illegal foreclosures. Now, we do have right now fewer delinquent mortgages, but unfortunately still a record level of foreclosures, and the number of them is rising in Nevada. 
Um, last real estate news item for you today, a national analyst has predicted that the apartment vacancy rate in Vegas will decline, and that will, of course, push rents up. But as you can see, yet more pressures that mean we really need more rental housing available here in Vegas. So then, let's talk about buying one of those foreclosed properties. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. This morning, I had some new information passed to me that there were 126 homes in foreclosure in 2010 in Clark County. 54% of those were postponed. 22% of them were canceled, either because there was a short sale or because they, they brought the home out of delinquency somehow. 19% were sold to a bank and 5% were sold to a third party. So let's talk about buying those 19% that ended up back into the bank's hands. First of all, they ended up being called REO. That is an abbreviation for real estate owned. It is the line on the bank's um, asset statement that describes the, the property that they own. You can also hear them referred to as foreclosed homes, foreclosures, bank owned, or simply repossessed. Now, there are a lot of them, but probably not as many as a lot of people think. Most of the time, uh, if you look at a, a number of foreclosures reported in the newspapers or on the television, that will give you the total number. That is everything from the notice of default on one end all the way to bank-owned REO on the other side and absolutely every place in between. A couple weeks ago, we did talk about how that foreclosure process works, so be sure to look up that old episode if you're interested in how it works in Nevada. Now, not all of these homes are, in fact, bargains. Um, you can get some good deals, but you have to remember that the bank does want to get a good price, too. You're not going to be able to offer them 60, 70, 80 percent of the per purchase price and really expect that they're going to accept it. That's not going to happen. Now, if a home does not sell, sure, they will eventually drop the price, but believe me, they have priced these properties to move and move quickly. Oftentimes, they are priced with the idea of getting multiple offers, and that will, of course, drive up the price that you, the buyer, pays in the long run. Uh, many of these homes do, of course, need work. The rule of thumb used to be that if somebody couldn't afford to pay their mortgage, they probably can't afford a bunch of maintenance either. And unfortunately, that is still largely still true. Sometimes if you see a too low to be true deal, it is because there is maintenance that's needed that, you, that isn't obvious to the naked eye just yet. Um, now, sometimes you'll also come into contact with a house rage phenomenon where the person who is losing their home will go in and, and trash everything on their way out. That has become less common now that there are cash for keys programs that encourage homeowners, excuse me, former homeowners to leave things nice and clean and intact when they go. All of them are sold as is. Some of them you'll even see uh, sold as is where is, as if it's really an option to move the place. Um, you need to remember that you're going to have to make some repairs. Be sure you get a very, very good home inspector who can point out things that aren't obvious. You might even want to consider calling around and getting some quotes on what it might cost to fix things that you already know are wrong. 
Um, you are not going to get certain disclosures, such as the seller's real property disclosure that we have here in Nevada. The bank never lived there. They don't know what's wrong, so they can't tell you. FHA financing is a real trick on these properties. As I mentioned, it's being sold as is, but FHA guidelines say that certain things have to be fixed prior to close. Well, how do you fix that situation? You've got a bank that says we're not fixing anything before close and a mortgage company that says yes, but it has to be fixed before close. There are ways around this. Um, basically, um, <laughs> the first thing that's going to happen is that uh, they may try to talk you into making the repairs before closing at your own expense. I strongly recommend do not do this. Um, would you call a plumber and send them over to your neighbor's house just because? No, you wouldn't. You generally don't repair other people's property. If they insist, you can basically say, okay, well, I want you to put in writing a hold harmless clause that if anything happens as a result of these repairs, it's uh, not my fault. I've, I find that when I try to get this done, they usually come up with the money to make the repair and everything works okay. Now, another thing you need to remember, this is a longer process than buying from a private owner. There's a, a more complicated process. Escrow has to make sure that liens are discharged. Um, there's a lot of paperwork that has to go to bank offices in other states and be signed sometimes by people in multiple states. So please keep in mind that if you need a quick closing, a bank-owned property is probably not your best bet. One of the things that's going to happen if you get an accepted offer on a bank-owned property is you are going to get back something called the bank addendum. Now, unfortunately, for better or for worse, this document is going to override some of the protections that are in your original purchase offer. They, they are going to make new rules. All of these documents are different because they're all written by different banks' teams of lawyers. You must read this document extremely carefully and decide whether or not you can live with these terms. Don't let your love of the house get in the way of a bad contract. These are generally also not negotiable. You cannot say, well, you know, okay, this is all fine except for paragraph 11. I'm not, I can't deal with paragraph 11. No, unfortunately, it is a case of you, you've got to take it all, the good and the bad. You are also going to end up signing away some rights uh, to certain disclosures. I already mentioned one that you won't be getting anyway. Here in Nevada, you will probably be asked to sign a waiver of NRS 113 rights. NRS 113 is our state statute that deals with all of these disclosures. Now, once everything is signed, it is very difficult to get anything changed. So please make sure that you have left your mortgage people enough time to do what they needed to do so that things will close on time. And the last thing I want to say about this is that, as I kind of gloss upon, escrow is a more complicated process. They are going to have to do more work. Be patient with the nice people. They're doing a great job and making sure that you own that house free and clear at the end. So then, the other side of this gets us to some lovely real advice. Today's real advice I'd like to call flip out, because we're going to be talking about flipping houses. Now, what the heck is flipping? Flipping is buying a property, 
and then selling it just a few months later. Usually it is an investor who has bought a distressed property sometimes at the courthouse steps. Remember that 5% that, uh, of foreclosures that go to third parties. The investor will do a bunch of rehab work. Usually it's stuff like paint, carpet, clean the pool, make sure the lawn is green, all of, fixing all of the little things that most of us would not tolerate being broken in our homes. Now, in exchange for doing all of this work, the investor would, of course, like to sell it to you, the buyer, at a profit. Being a professional uh, flip investor is not for the faint of heart. There are a lot of things that can go wrong. For example, the property might need more work than is obvious. Um, the market may decline, and so he might not get as much money out at the end as he would like. Other disasters can happen. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, so this is not something that I recommend for amateurs. But as far as uh, um, the benefits, they are many. Now, at this point, I would like to disclose that realtors do like dealing with these investors because we can develop a relationship with them over time and as a result get many listings over the course of years. That's just fair disclosure. I wanted you to know that up front. But as far as what, what's in it for you, the buyer? Well, first of all, it helps turn around neighborhoods. Even if you don't buy a home in that neighborhood, it, you know, it's somebody else's neighborhood. Perhaps you already own a home, home nearby. Already a good thing. It does turn distressed properties into desirable move-in ready homes. And new research suggests that especially first-time buyers would very much like things to be move-in ready the day they buy that home. The work is done to contractor and professional standards rather than by amateur homeowners, some of whom may not know what they are doing. The buyer does get a nicer property in better condition, and sometimes it even has brand new appliances with warranties. However, all is not sunshine and roses. There are problems. Uh, in the boom, there were some speculators who flipped without fixing. Um, can in that, combined with some shady appraisals, contributed both to mortgage fraud and to the housing price bubble that we experienced a few years back. Flipping is still considered a possible sign of fraud to the FBI. Now, there is an FHA rule that prohibits an FHA mortgage on property that is owned less than 90 days, except when it is a bank that, that is doing the selling. That rule was suspended on February 1 of this year. That suspension will be in effect until February 1 of next year. However, many mortgage lenders still do use the 90-day rule for all mortgages. Some may require some documentation from the seller that they really did fix things, as opposed to just turning around and putting it directly back on the market. So how do you avoid problems? First off, if you and your realtor determine that it is an investor-owned property, go ahead and find out how long they've owned it before making your offer. And if it is less than 90 days, go ahead and let your mortgage professional know at the beginning. This will avoid most of your problems because your mortgage professional will know to shop it around and make sure that she is putting together a package that will work for that property. Also, and finally, 
keep in communication with your realtor and your mortgage person so that everybody's on the same page and nothing gets lost in the shuffle. Well, that does wrap up our show for today. I would like to thank you for joining us and remind you to go ahead and tune into the Vegas Video Network next week. In the meantime, if you've got a, a question or a problem for us, go ahead and send that to gettingreal at vegasvideonetwork.com. If you have a personal real estate issue that I can help you with, you can find my contact information in addition to the full version of the Friday Figures at bridgetmagnus.com. Have a wonderful weekend. Good night.